Well, I guess uh, we're saying thank you to those who are committed to make Africa better, to make Africa work. And that's Asante Sana um, by the soil. And by the way, Asante Sana is, um, thank thank you very much. Uh, and, and that is Swahili. And joining us right now as we talk about uh, South Sudan um, is Dr. Joseph Siegel, uh, who is a director at uh, research um, uh, at the African Center for, um, director of research at the Center for Strategic Studies at uh, the National Defense University in Washington, D.C. Good afternoon and uh, welcome, Doctor. Thank you for having me. I didn't check what time it is that side, uh, whether I should still say good afternoon uh, from our side or should I be saying good morning? <laughs> well, it's it's a morning here, but... Uh, Happy to wish you a good afternoon as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, right back at you as I wish you good morning. And maybe, uh, you know, to, to start off our conversation, if we can just uh, look at why should um, Africans care about what's happening in South Sudan? Well, um, you know, there's a, a major humanitarian catastrophe mm. happening in, in South Sudan. Uh, there are are you know some four and a half million people who are forcibly displaced and you know, another seven million people who are in need of uh, humanitarian assistance in this out of a country of twelve million people and uh and so it's been uh um you know it's been a a, a massive failure um of of the system there uh yeah. your listeners will remember you know uh, south Sudan is Africa's newest country. Um, it gained its independence in in 2011, in 2011 after yeah. a long, uh, you know, civil war with Sudan. And so there was a lot of excitement and yeah. uh, and uh, hope for what uh, independence would mean and yeah. uh, ability for self determination. And uh, indeed, you know, South Sudan has many resources. Um, it had been encumbered uh, because of uh, its relationship with um, uh, with Sudan, and had been underdeveloped uh, really mm-hmm. for the past century. And uh, and so th- there was lots of prospects for for progress. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, just uh, very poor leader for poor political leadership and. Uh, a decision and, and 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 policies that put one set of interest above others um, yeah. led to this fragmentation and then ultimately to uh, conflict within South Sudan. Because uh, this, I mean, this is uh, Sudanese fighting amongst each other. Uh, would you say that uh, a weak national identity is also part of the crisis as uh, we reflect on factors contributing to this conflict? I think national identity is at the center of the challenge in mm-hmm. South Sudan. Um, you know, being a new country, um, it needed to create its its own sense of identity. Yeah. Um, it needed to create its own its own structures for being a state. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about fragile states. Well, South Sudan was born a fragile state, mm. and 
And while uh, many of the groups in South Sudan shared some common views for where they wanted to go, and, and they overwhelmingly supported independence, um, much more work needed to be done to create a, a shared uh, vision for who they are as a people and how they can work together. You know, and that required uh, very encompassing leadership and uh, and some, uh, you know, and, and, a, and a very representation, representational government. Sure. And, and those things didn't happen, and, and, and so now, you know, the problem is um, spilling over across borders. It's affecting all of uh, mm. East Africa. You know, there are over 2 million refugees uh, in, in neighboring countries. And we're seeing... Um, you know, some uh, regional um, gamesmanship happening in South Sudan. Mm -hmm. So some of the neighboring countries are supporting different factions to try to, you know, advance their interest. Um, even Egypt, which is not a neighboring country, is getting involved um, as it uh, tries to play out its uh, rivalry with uh, Ethiopia over access to uh, Nile River mm. uh, water flows. And so the the vacuum in South Sudan is, is creating a, a much bigger problem for the region and in and, and that way for Africa as a whole. And I guess, uh, you know, speaking to the question that um, we're asking today, that uh, will there ever be peace in South Sudan, what what needs to give? What are some of the limitations that uh, international peacekeepers and, and locals are, are grappling with? Well, there's a whole host of problems in, in South Sudan. Um, and so in that, in that sense, in some ways, it's daunting for people who are thinking about it. Um, but I, I don't uh, subscribe to the notion that, you know, there's, there's no, there, there's you know, options for peace. Um, indeed, uh, um, uh, you know, the people of Sustan did come together, and they were very enthusiastic uh, at independence for what they could do together. Sure. But that does require some, some leadership. And when, especially in a new country where there are weak institutions, leadership is particularly important um, to create, you know, precedents for checks and balances and uh, and treating everybody fairly mm. and uh, creating a system of uh, rule of law um, and, and making sure resources are distributed in a way that's mm. equitable. Um, you know, these basic concepts, I think, are what you, what you need to start with in, in South, South Sudan. Um, you know, uh, which remember, South Sudan emerged um, uh, after many decades under an auto autocratic system uh, in, in Sudan. And so there isn't much of a democratic legacy in, in South Sudan. And so even the concept of what is the government supposed to do? Yeah. You know, is it supposed to be providing services for the public or is it there to, you know, serve itself? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that, those are basic concepts that need to be addressed. Um, you know, whose interests are, are to be served and recognized? Um, what's the relationship between the government and, and the people? And mm. how are citizens' rights to be protected? These are all fundamental questions that, um, you know, uh, go to probably go to, and get taken for granted to, for many in South Africa. But, mm. you know, they're basic questions that need to be uh, still worked out in 
in South Sudan. And so there needs to be some checks and balances and some real open dialogue about that in order for it to move forward. So so who do we direct all these valid questions um, towards? Who well, has the answers? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I think the, you know, what, what, uh, what we want to aim for is a, is for this dialogue to happen among South Sudanese. Mm. And, and, um, as they are all part of that conversation, there's a better chance that the outcome is going to be one that they, uh, readily accept. Um, and that's going to require some space, you know, some space to have dialogue, to have, uh, um, conversations between communities, uh, many of which share some of the same uh, values and interests and, and challenges uh, in, in what is one of Africa's poorest countries and, and uh, huge uh, uh, geography. It's, it's very formidable in many ways. Um, yet a very resilient and hardy uh, population that uh, is willing to make sacrifices and has, has already made many sacrifices um, uh, uh, for its for its independence, I think because of where it started and because um, the fact that its uh, initial leadership was unable mm. or unwilling to um, provide this encompassing leadership, I think we're going to need uh, uh, a timeout. You know, we're going to need a reboot mm. for the governance structure there, and that can take different forms. It may just be a transitional uh, government in South Sudan of of technocrats Mm. for a period of years where some of these um, basic functions of government are established and and some of these basic precedents of what the government is there for uh, can be instituted. And And that's going to require some help from the outside. And there seems to be just uh, so much access to ammunition. Uh, what what roles do politicians and, and security, uh, what roles do they play in, in feeding to um, uh, what's currently happening in, in, in that uh, country? Well, it's a great question. And, um, you know, in a country that has um, been exposed to war uh, for most of, you know, the last 60 years, mm. Um, you know, it had been it had been in fighting independence since 1955, and, and there were a few periods of uh, respite in, in that time. Um, but there's a, there's sort of a war economy um, that uh, has taken hold among some groups, and so um, there's a very um, uh, pernicious intertwining between some politicians and and some security actors. Uh, And so many political leaders in South Sudan have their own militias. And so those who have access to weapons Mm. um, are the ones who have more influence. And so they don't mind uh, adhering to the rule of law, um, but they will try to um, pursue their interest uh, through force. And so there's a very unhealthy relationship between the political leadership, security actors, and and misuse of government resources. You know, they've they've created a patronage-based system that um, that tends to funnel 
state resources to those who are in power. And so it really um, puts at a disadvantage um, those who don't have ties to the existing political leadership. And so the majority of uh, ordinary South Sudanese who are living um, you know, in, in the off-subsistence agriculture and, and, and livestock uh, uh, management, you know, they are, um, they are the ones who are vulnerable under this mm. system, and they are the ones who have suffered the most. All right, uh, we take your calls uh, right now as we engage in, in this conversation. Call Chris Salda now, 0891-104-207. And also welcome your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. And uh, we're both on Twitter and Facebook as SAFM Radio. And you can hashtag us SAFM Lifetime Live. And we also welcome your SMSs at 40938 as uh, we are talking and just uh, reflecting on uh, reports that were issued by Africa Center uh, for Strategic Studies on uh, envisaging um, a, a stable South Sudan. How possible is this? And joining us on the line is Dr. Joseph uh, uh, Siegel, who is uh, Director uh, of Research at the Africa Center for Strategic Studies at the National Defense University in Washington. And joining us uh, on the line right now as we reflect on uh, just uh, trying to make sense of what is happening um, in, in South Sudan and uh, uh, what needs to give as, as we just reflect on uh, these issues. Now, what is your sense? Are Sudanese um, wanting uh, for the violence to end and, and what power yields uh, within communities themselves? Well, I think there's an overwhelming desire for peace and stability in South Sudan. I think that's really important to remember that this isn't a, a, an ethnic or civil conflict that's unfolding. Mm. What you have are some key political actors who are trying to carve up the country for their own benefit. And so they are mm. trying to mm. Mm. Um, overtake rivals uh, through force, they, they see that opportunity to do so. And so they're using ethnicity to try to rally support, but this, is, this really isn't a, a struggle between groups um, on its own. It's between political opportunists um, uh, that uh, are, are trying to, um, you know, to, to maximize their opportunities in, 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 in under this um, fragile state situation. And, and, and so I think, go ahead. Oftentimes, um, uh, they, you know, at the center of some of these um, civil conflicts would be a country that's interested in, in Africa's resources. Do you get a sense that uh, perhaps there could be such uh, with South Sudan? I think um, resources is a big issue in South Sudan, oil revenues. Um, uh, are you know generate ninety eight percent of the country's uh, um, uh, the government's revenues, mm. um, and uh, you know in, in some ways the timing was very unfortunate because oil revenues came online just before the period of independence, and so before a lot of the checks and balances and oversight could be established. Um, interestingly. Uh, you know, I think the the real um, uh, 
um, shenanigans around the oil are, are, are more domestic. You have mm. different domestic actors that are trying to control those those resources. Yes, there are you know external actors um, that are providing funding yeah. um, and 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 trying to um, uh, gain uh, some access to to the revenues that are available to, as well. They tend to be more uh, individuals and and uh, groups. Uh, so you know, associated with um, uh, different international interests, rather than than countries uh, themselves. Um, so uh, certainly, natural resources a, is a a big part of the of the challenge, and, and who controls those resources is a factor for um, what these uh, political actors are are are, are trying to do. And, and Dr. Sigal, what about the rule of law? I mean, surely as a country, as a newly formed, um, so to speak, democracy, uh, there should be some rule of law that the country needs to uphold to. Is is there any? Well, the rule of law is very tenuous in, in South Sudan. Um, again, uh, you know, it's important to keep... Uh, in mind the um, the the perspectives that we're talking about the expansive geography um, uh, you know South Sudan um, is um, you know is uh, about half the size of uh, Western Europe mm. and you have 12 million people over this area so there is very limited um, uh, road development uh, and um, an established commerce uh, within this area. Um, you know, you're still building infrastructure, communications, uh, and other networks um, that can uh, uh, bind this uh, territory uh, together. And uh, and in, in, in that way, the institutions for the country are, you know, were always very weak. Um, there are a very few um, national level uh, justice systems, um, and the, the capacity for uh, those uh, judicial uh, actors is, is also limited. So the country has relied heavily on its customary. Uh, uh, legal structure, mm. which has performed uh, relatively well, and you know it performed throughout the long period of civil war, and you know it's far from perfect, but yeah. it does have a high degree of legitimacy among the people and and the ver- among various groups uh, across the country, and so for the near term, uh, I think building on that customary law. Structure will be important. Um, I think again, there there could be some improvements made with some training, you know, some sure. short-term, you know, sort of paralegal assistance that would help the traditional leaders who um, oversee this customary law system. Um, I think there would be value in 
And I guess a common vision as well. Uh, Doctor, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. And I guess these conversations should continue um, as uh, perhaps in this lifetime we'll see uh, a a united um, South Sudan or united Africa in dealing with African issues. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Chriselda. It's my pleasure. That is uh, Dr. Joseph uh, Siegel, who is uh, Director of uh, Research at the Africa Center for Strategic Studies at the National Defense University in Washington, D.C. One of the consequences of the prolonged uh, conflict is that uh, South Sudan is now one of the main exporters of refugees in the world. Nearly 2.5 million people are seeking exodus and um, in neighboring countries. Here's the news, uh, uh, news headline. So with Utsile Sako.